Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the show where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. And today we got a uh, kind of a tragic story today. I'm not sure how funny this is going to be, but it's an interesting story. The title of our podcast is The Final Bell, uh, the Our Lady of Angels School Fire. The so fire. dramatic, The Final Bell. You like that? Well, Look at you. Remember in, do you remember in school when you'd always wait for that final bell so you oh, get out yeah. at the end of the oh, day? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't wait for this shit. No, hmm. well, this occurred right before the final bell. This is a story about a terrible, terrible uh, fire, school fire, that occurred at the Our Lady of Angels uh, Elementary School in the city of Chicago back in December of 1958. Ended up killing 92 students and three nuns, so it's kind of a very tragic story. But we'll get into all of that, talk about the story, and how it all occurred. But before we do, let me introduce our distinguished panel. I am, uh, as always, pleased to be joined by the very lovely and talented, the Queen of Mean, the Empress of Evil, the Mistress of the Macabre, Satan's Dirty Little Secret, Bill Poppin' Penis Lovin' Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm all right, Timmy. How are you doing? Fine. Are you inter- excited about this story? No, I'm not as excited about this story as you would think. It's horrible. It's tra- so tragic. It is a tragic story, but it's interesting, don't you think? It is still tragic. Yeah, interesting but tragic. Sounds like uh, kind of like my sex life. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't. Not interesting though. <laughs> well, it's interesting to me. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we are also joined by the very distinguished and honorable, the really the moral compass of our podcast, the most dangerous man in podcasting today. The Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm I'm wonderful, Timmy. This is a depressing story, though. I got to tell you, I don't like when we do these depressing stories. You rather me write up a script about a Mad King or something, right? I, I, I prefer them. Yeah, I know. But you know, we try to we try to be diverse in our uh, story selection. Yeah, this is you know what I gotta I gotta take an extra Prozac today to get past <laughs> this, this one. It is pretty tragic. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into it. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to the folks who sponsor us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, uh, please go to Patreon.com/slash/HistoryDweebs, where you can give a little, or a lot, or Colonel. Just a wee little bit, Timmy. Yeah. Just a wee little bit. Every little bit helps yeah. helps us stay on the air. We appreciate those of you who contribute to us through Patreon, and we like a great big thank you. Shout-outs to Alicia and Chip, Jen Moyer, Jason Dykes, Brandy McBride, Diane Student from the History Goes Bump podcast, 
Amber Trevino, Annette Petre, Lise, Leslie Hagar, Amber Scoville, Jahara, thank you all very much, Andrew Happ, Brittany Irving Martin, thank you, Brittany, uh, Joe Hopkins, thank you, Joe, uh, Melissa Montoya, thank you, Melissa, uh, Mandy Swanson, Jennifer Siemens and her mother, Linda, as well as Jennifer's son, Hunter, thank you all very much, Bryn, uh, Bridget Clavey, uh, Cindy Lou, Heather Poole, Charlie and Allie from the Insight Podcast. And they had a pretty good one this week, Colonel, where they um, did a cross podcast with uh, Twisted Philly, Philadelphia. Have not had a chance to listen to yeah, that. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. I also listened to the um, latest from Professor Buzzkill last night. It was really good. On the uh, You'll like this one. It was on uh, Rommel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. I like Professor Buzzkill. Yeah. He had Professor, Professor Nash on the show and... I always like when Professor anytime, Nash. Yeah, anytime Nash is on the show, it's, 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 really it's a good show. Yeah, Nash and, is damn near almost as knowledgeable as, as us. Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, also we want to give a shout-out to Rudy the Wonder Dog. Thank you all for supporting us on Patreon. Again, if you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs. All right, let's talk about the story. Final Bell. The Our Lady of Angels School Fire. On December 1st, 1958, a parochial school named Our Lady of the uh, Our Lady of Angels uh, on Chicago's West Side um, caught on fire and killed 92 students and three nuns. It's just a horrific event and one that you don't really hear a lot about. You know, I mean. Because nobody likes to talk about this kind of shit. Yeah, it's kind of things you kind of want to just bury in your memory, I guess. The fire began in the basement of a 48-year-old school building, bellowed up uh, a stairway before fanning out into the second floor, trapping most victims in the classroom and forcing others to jump from the second-story windows. That might not sound bad, jumping from second-story windows, but... The way this building was set up, the basement was the first level. So it's really like jumping three. So you jump from the third floor. Yeah, basically. You're probably landing on concrete in the playground. Yeah, yeah it's a, it, it was a compound. Mm. Um, the fire was the nation's worst school disaster at the time. Or I'm sorry, the nation's third worst school disaster and Chicago's third deadliest fire, trailing only the Iroquois Theater fire, which we talked about. In December, remember? Now, how many people, wasn't that like 610 or something? 602 people killed in the Iroquois. 602. Yes, it killed in the Iroquois. 602. Okay. Yeah, 602 people were killed in the Iroquois Theater fire. And then, of course, the second most deadly fire in Chicago was the Great Chicago Fire of 17, 1871 that killed 300 people. But uh, this is the third most deadly. So Wouldn't you think that they would have called it the horrible Chicago fire? I don't know. I mean, Maybe. the great Chicago. There, there was nothing great about it. Yeah, it great. killed 300 should, people. You, know, you, should, you, should, you should, you know, make a petition or something about yeah, that. Yeah, you worked that on that. You do that. Uh, yeah, you, I'm going to change.org because I don't like this great Chicago. There was nothing great. I, if, if people running down the street with their ass on fire, they didn't think it was great. They did not. No. I would agree. They probably didn't think it was. Was it really started by a cow? And there's, there is disagreement on that. There is, part of that is myth, but 
there is also part of that is truth. So it's a mixed bag. It's not like the story you heard where the cow kicked over the 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 uh, what it lantern. Mm-hmm. But there That's is story some, I heard. there is some indication that the that there was some involvement by Mrs. O'Leary's cow, but that's a different story for a different day. Well, what the cow, what the fucking cow get a lighter or something? I didn't do the research. I just remember reading about it that there was some <laughs> it that it wasn't her. as clear cut as. I forgot to ask you, who gives a shit about this when we're talking about something a, a completely other fire? Can, well, we, yes. can we just do one fire the at a time? The Great Chicago Fire, and then he's saying, "Well, well you're asking the me cow to was give involved, but the, he didn't really kick a lantern over." You're asking him for facts, not in evidence that I haven't researched. I'm just telling you from what I've kind of picked up through reading that it wasn't the traditional story you hear about a cow kicking over a lantern and starting a fire, that the cow and Mrs. O'Leary gets a bad rap, but apparently there was some some part of that story that's true. I don't know which part. There was part. a cow there. I didn't research it. <laughs> and he was Next time. There was a cow in the land. Okay. And I, and I, you know. You know what? You can research it. Google it. I know I'm, you're hard. I know you work hard on these, Timmy. Yes. And yeah. I like to get to the story. I'm where just saying if, you, if you're going to do, if you're going to bring up the great Chicago fire, you ought to have a little bit of knowledge about it. That's all. And do you have when any knowledge about it? I'm, I'm saying when you do a podcast, you should read the fucking script before the podcast. But that doesn't seem to, uh, that doesn't seem to, uh, you know, get you to do it. So now did, did Burt Reynolds had to write the script for Smokey and the Bandit? I don't like you guys are making me feel bad. <laughs> I don't like when you fight. Can you not? He started it. It had nothing to do with me. My I'm just fucking kids. I'm reading it. I'm starting. Tell I'm me, d- tell me about this fire that we're trying to Thank talk you, about. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> Our Lady of Angels School. This is a serious subject, and we got to be careful because we don't want to give the impression that we're taking this lightly. Because yeah, Dick, some kids died in this thing. So if you know the thought of children dying and the fire disturbs you this is probably not a the podcast for you okay uh, i won't interrupt you again but in 1997 fire. the chicago city council passed a resolution exonerating Catherine and her cow from all blame oh i'm sure they feel better okay thank you colonel for that extensive research on wikipedia <sighs> okay our lady of angels school came from smithsonian magazine all right thank you colonel our Lady of Angels School was a Roman Catholic elementary and middle school located in Humboldt Park section of Chicago. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he is. Why do you ask? I've been to all the neighborhoods in Chicago, okay. Timmy. The school was located in a mostly Italian-American middle-class community. The community held uh, several second- and third-generation immigra- immigrant groups, including Italian-Americans, Polish-Americans, Irish-Americans, and German-Americans. Most members of the community were Roman Catholic. Our Lady of Angel Parish had more than um, 4,500 families, part of the parish. It was one of the largest parishes in the Chicago Roman Catholic Archdiocese during the 1950s. The Our Lady of Angels Church uh, which was adjacent to the school, uh, had a uh, convent for the Sisters of Charity, uh, and the school formed the central, uh, the school, Our Lady of Angel School, formed the central hub of the neighborhood. I grew up right across the street from a parochial school, so I can kind of, in my mind, I can kind of get, you know, that's like the center of the neighborhood, the schools, right? 
well, I come from the west side. That's where west side of Cincinnati people ask you what parish you come from. Right, right. So Our Lady of Angel School provided education for pupils from kindergarten through the eighth grade. Um, they had over 1,600 students attending school there. So, you know, kindergarten through eighth. Um, it had uh, elementary and middle school kids there. Over 1,400 students attended classes in the main school building and uh, the rest, there was an adjacent building. Uh, more than 200 kindergarten and first grade students were in classes in the two annexes of Our Lady of Angels campus. It had a U, uh, the compound had a U-shaped structure. The north wing uh, where the fire started, fire that we're gonna discuss, was originally built as a church in 1903 and it expanded to include the school in 1910. The South Wing uh, uh, had been converted into classrooms in 1949, so like 10 years prior to this, nine years prior to this, connecting the annex section, and, uh, and it was added in 1953 to make the U-shape. So it's this little compound here with these two. The two wings were constructed of wood, which is a red flag right there. Um, the building consisted of an English basement, kind of like what I said before, so that it was partially sunken, but it was also above ground, four, four and a half feet um, below ground, but the rest of it was above ground. So it really was like, uh, when we say two stories, it was really more like three stories. Why is that an English basement? I don't know. <clears throat> I did not research that. God damn it. God, you come so goddamn You got a fucking you phone. You come unprepared. This is a very long story, and I spent a lot of time on it, so please don't spare me the criticism. Approximately 12... Constructive. It's not constructive at all. Approximately, save your criticism for the fuckers that thought this thing, this school was up to code because it wasn't. Approximately twelve to 1,300 students were attending school at the time of the fire. Uh, let's see. By 1951... The annex, as I said, connected the north wing to the south wing. Uh, they created a U-shape, as I mentioned. The school had a brick exterior, exterior, and its interior consisted of wooden stairs, walls, floors, doors, and... Uh, yeah, this is not a great plan. Roof. Nah. The problem was at the time, and we'll talk about this later on, is that the school... There was this, you know, argument of separation of church and state, mm -hmm. that the schools should not uh, be required to follow government codes. Oh, that makes if, sense. Mm -hmm. uh, because it was, you know, separation between church and state. I that the that all changed after this event. I bet. Just an uh, FYI, uh, yeah. English basement means it only has to be a little bit below ground. Yeah, and that, as this one was. Yeah, so if it's just Is that a, the technical term? If it's a foot below ground, it's an English basement. The first It's all lit, truly the first floor, but if it's at all below ground, they call it an English basement. The uh, school's second floor windows, where a lot of these kids had to jump out of from, uh, was 25 feet off the ground. That is with the English basement. Each classroom had a glass... Um, 
transom over above the doors. Mm-hmm. You kind of remember the old schools where the they would yeah. have this glass uh, over the over the door like in, in the classrooms. Yeah, yeah, like little windows, providing installation. But it also provided a, a pathway for the flames and smoke to enter the room when this all went down. The school had one fire escape, which incidentally. Uh, ends up being on the other side of the building. No automatic fire alarms and no direct fire alarm connection to the fire department. So they had a fire alarm they could pull that if it went off would alert people in the building, but it wasn't like it was connected to the fire department or anything. All right. It had no fire-resistant stairwells, no heavy-duty fire doors from the stairwells to the second-floor corridor. There were two unmarked fire alarm switches in the entire school, both of them in the south wing. Unmarked. Unmarked, because, you know, why, why mark them? Sure. The four fire extinguishers, they had four fire extinguishers in the north wing, were mounted seven feet uh, off the floor, which made them unreachable for many adults and virtually to all the children. The school did not have a fire alarm box on the sidewalk outside, which was pretty common back in those days clearly this was a, a, a disaster was, yeah. well this was a place that was you know worried about their children's safety well what happened well we'll get into it because that because you showed the government you didn't you didn't comply with their codes mm. you get gave a big fuck yeah. you to the government mm-hmm. this will show them although our lady of angels was generally clean and well maintained it uh, mirrored some potentially fatal flaws of the 1950 schools and municipal state and uh, fire regulations. Obviously, we just discussed them. Pupils hung their coats in the hallway uh, on hangers instead of in metal lockers. So, again, when this fire started, right. these you know, all this these uh, this is before the flame. Before you had the flame-proof clothing for children. Yeah. In addition, um, this was after World War II, you know, um, you know, 10 years after World War II. So as, I, as you know, the, after the war, there was a baby boom. And the population of this area drastically increased. So the classrooms were heavily populated, overpopulated. There were more students in the classrooms than should have been in the classrooms. Sometimes as many as 60 students crowded in the classroom built for about a quarter of that number. So 60 students in a classroom that should hold 15. So it's like a prison, really. Yeah. Our Lady of Angels School legally met the 1958 municipal and state requirements and had passed a routine fire department inspection a few weeks before December 5th, 1st, 1958. So they passed it because they had a grandfather clause. Uh, when the 1949 state fire safety codes were put in place, the older schools, like Our Lady of Angels, were not required to install the safety devices that the code required for schools built after 1949. So another... Um, fuck up there. Well, our grandfather's always to blame. By by modern standards, Our Lady of Angels was a fire waiting to be ignited 
and it did on December 1st, 1958. At 2.35 p.m. Central Time on December 1st, 1958, many of the pupils at the Our Lady of Angels School were concluding their lesson. And like I said, you remember those days in school when you're waiting for that final bell to ring so you oh, can yeah. run home. And that's just, you know, school let out at 3 o'clock. It was 2.35, so kids are getting anxious, ready to go. And sister, uh, these these uh, teachers were nuns, by the way. Um, and, C- and sisters Mary St. Canice, uh, Lyons, 7th grade class in room 208, young Andrea Galarraga, who was 12 years old, was com- uh, concentrating on her studies on the mission missionaries in Florida and Louisiana. And Sister Marie Claire Therese Champagne's fifth grade geography class in room 212, John Malay, age 10, wrote a question in his notebook, where, where along the Atlantic coastal plain can oysters be found? In room 209, Michelle McBride, age 13, waited with her 8th grade classmates for the closing bell to ring at 3 o'clock, less than a half hour away. While students waited to be dismissed, a fire smolded in a cardboard uh, trash barrel at the foot of the northeast stairwell in the basement of the older north wing of Our Lady of Angels School. So this trash can has cardboard in it that's on fire. For about 30 minutes, the fire burned undiscovered, and it heated the stairwell. Remember, these are wooden stairwells, and it filled in, uh, filled it in with light gray smoke that eventually turned thick and black. This had to be just a fucking nightmare. At 2.25 p.m., three eighth-grade girls, Janet Delari, Francis Gazzato, and Karen Hobick, were returning from an errand. When the girls reached 211, their second floor classroom in the North Wing, they encountered a thick smoke. They promptly told their teacher, Sister Helen O'Neill, who jumped up from her desk and lined the students uh, up to evacuate the building. As they, you know, they had their drills, what to do. Moments later, she opened the classroom door to the hallway, but she decided that because of the dense smoke made it too dangerous to escape down the stairs, um, that she and her students sat in the classroom and waiting to be rescued. So it's kind of safety in place philosophy there. I mean, you know, she's this point it's too late to go down mm-hmm. the stairs. Yeah. So she's just waiting to be keeping the students in the classroom <laughs> to be rescued. And that's what all these these teachers do. Two other events occurred at approximately the same time that uh, Sister Helen O'Neill and her students waited to be rescued. Intense heat shadowed a window at the foot of the staircase, feeding the fire and serving as a like a chimney, sending hot gases, fire, and black smoke pouring up the staircase to the second floor. So this thing has just gone from bad to awful. As he walked by the building, the school janitor, James Raymond, saw a red glow from one of the windows from outside. Racing into, racing into the basement furnace room, he saw the fire through the door leading to the stairwell. He, re- he warned two boys uh, who were emptying trash baskets in the broiler room to leave immediately, 
and they did, uh, and they went to their classrooms. So, yeah, it's just a disaster. He then raced back to the school to help students escape from down the fire escape. Now, remember, they had one fire escape, but it was on the other side of the building from where this fire was occurring. Right. So one part of the building was fine, but the part where the fire was occurring, they had no fire escapes. You would have thought they would have had them on both sides of the building. Yeah, you, well, you would think. <clears throat> or all four sides of the building. Yeah. Brandy's going to tell us what happens next. So the student teacher pulls the fire alarm as she left the school building, but guess what? It didn't ring. She left, her, she left her student safely in the church and returned to the school and this time successfully activated the fire alarm. The fire alarm rang inside the school, but since the alarm was not automatically connected, it didn't summon the fire department. Yeah, so it basically told people in a building full of smoke that there was a fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well. Uh, the first telephone call came from the rectory, or I'm sorry, the first telephone call from the rectory reached the fire department at 2.42 p.m., and a minute later, a second call came in from Barbara Glowecki, the owner of a candy store located in the alley along the north wing of Our Lady of Angels. You know what? If you're going to own a candy store, you want it right next to a school. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They steal things, though. Yeah, they do steal things. Little rat fuckers. All right. Uh, by the time the fire department arrived, the fire had been burning for almost 40 minutes and had spread rapidly. Holy Christ. From the beginning, the Chicago Fire Department fought an uphill battle to control the fire. The housekeeper calling in the fire alarm had given the rectory address on West Iowa Street instead of the school address, making it necessary to reposition fire trucks and hose lines. Yeah, so you know, Colonel, you know the little neighborhoods in Chicago mm. and the one-way streets and all that. Oh, it's a nightmare up it, there. It's a nightmare, <clears throat> and these trucks went to the wrong they went to the right area, but the wrong part of the building, so they had to turn around and reposition. You know, yeah, and then right. those streets up there, those little streets, you only got room for one car. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, firemen rose to the challenge and called additional firefighting equipment and immediately began to rescue the pupils still in the burning building. But the teachers and students on the second floor of the North Wing were trapped. Firemen had to back a fire truck into a seven-foot iron picket fence to get ladders to the windows on the north wing. Uh, five teaching nuns and 239 children had two terrible choices. They could either jump from the second floor window to land on concrete and crushed rock 25 feet below, or they could wait for the fire department to rescue them. Uh, some of the nuns urged children's to s children to sit at their desks or form a semicircle and pray. Well, I mean, you're running out of options at that point. I'd, I'd, I'd go for the start window. pissing on the floor uh, right now so uh, it don't get to you. Well, a lot well, of them did. Go, <clears throat> a lot of them did jump. Yeah, but what's not going to help is you sitting in a semicircle waiting for the good Lord to take you. Right. That's not helping. Uh, in room two hundred nine, Sister Mary Davidis Divine ordered her fifty nine students to pile books and furniture in front of the classroom doors which helped slow the invasion of smoke and flames until rescuers came. Yeah, she was a real hero in all of this. She, she, she acted, you know, and she, she, she took good steps. She took good measures. Uh, eight Room 209 student is, students escaped with injuries, and two died when the roof collapsed. Oh. Michelle McBride from Room 209 was burned over 60% of her body, and she spent four and a half months in the hospital enduring numerous operations. 
The operations continued for years after the fire, as did the constant pain from her injuries. In 1979, Michelle McBride wrote a book, The Fire That Would Not Die, about her Room 209 experience, the only firsthand account of that day. Uh, Michelle died on July 4th, 2001, from chronic physical problems that she suffered from from the fire. Yeah, almost, you know, 40 some years later. That's, yeah, that's sad. Because that it, you burn yourself. That's yeah. a constant pain yeah. all the you time. You know, pain. and I was telling Timmy, you think about fire. Now, if you're in a in a classroom, right, <clears throat> and there's a werewolf at the door in your classroom with you, Count Dracula, whatever kind of monster, mm-hmm. fire is the only thing that will make you jump out of a third floor window. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you'll take your chances trying to get around the werewolf, run around, do whatever. <clears throat> fire make you, I mean, remember 9-11? Yeah. Those people were jumping out of the windows that they knew. They knew they weren't going to survive the fall. Right. But they, fire will make you do crazy things. I live next, uh, we, where I grew up in my hometown, we lived next door to a lady who had a rooming house. And uh, she had, you know, several units that she rented out. Uh, it's just, uh, and uh, I don't know, I must have been about 19. I was still living at home at the time. And um, I remember one Sunday morning, I had been out late Saturday night. One Sunday morning I woke up and I, just this horrific scream. And uh, I look out, and part of that building was on fire. And um, so I run downstairs, whatever. By the time I get down there, we lived about two blocks from a fire station, maybe three blocks. Uh, firemen got there very quickly, but two little kids, babies, you know, toddlers, mm-hmm. had burned up in the fire. Oh. And, and they, laid their, they laid them out. We had a parking lot on the back of our house. They laid him back on the lot, and they were just, I mean, they were, you couldn't, they were unrecognizable. They were just, oh, sure. and the thing I remember most about that was the woman survived. The mom survived. She had, her hair had caught on fire, and one, she had three children. One of the children, and he spent some, you know, he was in children's hospital for a long time recovering. And she was some sort of uh, fundamental, some Christian, oh. and they had the funeral and I didn't go to the funeral, but I heard reports from the funeral where the minister who delivered the um, eulogy, you know, yeah, said that the kids were going to be going to hell because they were bastards. I mean, it was just oh, and pe- I guess people <coughs> walked all out. It was like in really, you know, in, down in southern Kentucky. Why didn't somebody kick the minister's ass? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, walked out and got really upset you know, over it. it. Was but it was you know. I don't know if you've ever been to Portsmouth, Chuck. I mean, have you I ever been there? I had not been to Portsmouth. Okay. I, so I've been there. Ooh. So I've been there. Mike Peter. Clearly. And it's a horribly depressing place. Like, it's just, it makes me sad. It's kind of like being at the other building. It's just sad. It's just sad. Tim has more fucked up shit that's happened to him <laughs> out in mm-hmm. Portsmouth. Yeah. That's middle true. Middle of nowhere, Ohio. That's true. I grew, you know I grew up in a housing project as the only white kid, and I think I had a happier childhood than Timmy did. This motherfucker lived next to a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. He's setting off yeah. firecrackers in people's mailboxes. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Fires next Shoving them door. in gerbils. I had a wonderful, you know, it was a wonderful little town when I was growing up. Now, now it's like the opiate capital of the world. But at the time, it was a nice little town when I was growing up. It was just a tragic event that occurred. But it was the There's same. There's so many tragic but, events but that the, occurred there. But the the you make a good point. The 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 uh, 
the house where these people rented, you know, this place was mm-hmm. the same place that um, Richard Tingler, a serial killer, lived. <laughs> I told and, you. So it was the lucky house. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was, it was just It was God trying to burn that shit down. It was know? a multiple, you know, it was a multiple family type of deal. So, the, the, but, you know, these were, I mean, the, the and Richard Tingler was there in the early, mid-60s. And this happened in, like, 1980. So it was a long time in between. And you but, used to buy him T-shirts. Yeah. Crew neck. All right. Continue. Uh, Sam to Torrance, mother of another, or I'm sorry, father of another student from room 209, Rose. Dickie Tingler, we called him. Ran into, <laughs> of course she did, ran into the school, climbed onto an awning below room 209's rear window, began to help students escape. Yeah, they got kind of lucky because they had an awning below the window so they could kind of drop down. Drop down and bounce off of it. Yeah. Father Joseph Oglin, Oglin, Oglinbin. Okay, Father Joseph, who happened to be driving by by the school, joined him, and as a team, they helped students escape through the window and into and into another window in the annex. Uh, from there, they Excuse hurried me. down the only metal staircase in the school and escaped through the main entrance on Iowa Street. Neighbors of Our Ladies, Our Lady of Angels, ran home and brought ladders to the alley on the north side of the school, hoping to rescue students through classroom windows. Mario Camerini, a part-time assistant janitor at the school, had the only ladder tall enough to reach uh, the windows of room 208. Let me just say something real quick, Brandy. On these, there's photos of these. Everyone, I mean, it's a little neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So once people figured out what was going on, they ran and got their ladders, like you said. And there's a picture, there's photographs of these ladders all put up against the the building, and they're just coming short of the window where everyone's ladder was not... You know, you jump enough. and take your chances. Well, and one one guy, his son, his like, you know, five six year old son was in the window. He could see he, he's down. He's on the ground. The father's on the ground. He sees his son in the window, and he's saying, "Jump, jump!" You know, and the little boy had won a, I believe it was like a little. Uh, uh, this is a suck story. Yeah, isn't it? He, a little. He had got the right answer, so he won like a little statue of an angel. Mm-hmm. And he was showing his dad through the window the angel, not realizing what was you know was going right. on, and the dad is pleading with him to jump, and then he just loses his son just you know out there, the older kids just get in the right way, and the son ends up his son ends up dying in the fire. It's just oh, and and the thing is, his dad then dies a couple years later, uh, young very young because of you know the tragic event, and but I saw his mother interviewed before she died a couple years ago and she still had that little um the, the little figurine that he had won just i mean just just they find trick. it in the fire and the rubble yeah the they fire. found it they found it survived but the little boy Ugh. died of smoke inhalation that's a suck story yeah i know you're depressing me more here timmy i'm sorry right. this is a very tragic event uh let's see the tall ladder and the men operating it allowed approximately 25 children to escape from room 208 Twelve students and their teacher, Sister Mary St. Canice Ling, died in room 208. Uh, Andrea Gagliardo, mm. uh, the 12-year-old, the 12-year-old girl in Sister Mary St. Canice Lang's seventh grade history class in room 208, who had been studying the missionaries in Florida and Louisiana, climbed out on a ledge and firemen eventually rescued her. Andrea remembered that some of the boys jumped out the window 
When we looked down, we saw them lying on the ground. It was a miracle when we saw the firemen with their ladders. The 57 children in room 210, located on the north side of the second floor in the center of the north wing overlooking the alley north of the school. So this was north. Yeah. This particular the north room side of, was north. north wing. It was north. It was north overlooking side, the north alley. The north wing over the north alley on the north pole. Fucking north. Uh, let's see. We're fourth graders. Younger and smaller than the children. He's painting a picture. I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I these, these kids were fourth graders. They were younger and smaller than the children in the other five North Wing second floor classrooms. People placed several ladders, ladders below the windows of room 210 before the fire department arrived, but the ladders, as Timmy said, were too short. Many of the children hung from the window ledge and dropped onto a ladder or directly onto the ground. Uh, some children jumped with their clothing or hair on fire. <clears throat> Ugh. More than 200 firefighters from 22 engine companies, seven ladder companies, and 10 squad companies responded to Our Lady of Angels school fire. Firefighting efforts were delayed, however, when the Chicago Fire Department was first sent to the wrong address and then later had to use a ladder as a battering ram to break through a locked eight-foot iron fence on the school property. These delays, combined with the fire-friendly atmosphere inside the school, severely limited their rescue options. I wonder why they didn't just run into the fence with a fire truck. I don't know. <clears throat> The heat and smoke overwhelmed the firefighters when they attempted to use the stairs to reach the second floor, leaving classroom windows as the only means of escape. In fact, one firefighter was on a ladder outside a window when he noticed that the white shirts on the students trapped inside were turning brown. In the, in the few seconds before the room reached flashover, the firefighter saved the lives of 10 students by dragging them through the window and dropping them 25 feet to the ground. When they finally reached room 210, the firemen found many dead fourth graders wrapped around uh, Sister Mary Serapicia Kelly for protection. Although 29 students managed to escape, 28 students and Sister Kelly died in room 210, more students than in any other classroom. Room 212 housed Sister Mary Claire Therese Champagne's fifth grade class of 55 students. The nuns have a lot of names. They really do. Yeah, they and do. they're Well, they get complex. to pick names when they become nuns. Yeah, this one. You get to add That sister liked to party. Uh, let's see. The fire didn't invade room 212 as quickly and burned less intensely because of its location on the northwest corner of the north wing, second floor of the school, which could account for the fact that 29 pupils survived this room. The smoke and toxic fire gases were as deadly here as in the other school rooms, and most of the 26 people who died here were smothered before the fire department could reach them. Sister Mary Claire Therese Champagne also died. John Raymond, the son of James Raymond, the school janitor, jumped from a window and survived. He recalled, although we did not have a fire in our class, the heat and the smoke were unbearable. Sister did all she could do to buy us time, but it was just not to be. She gave her life trying to save the kids right to the end. John Melee, 10, a boy from room 212 who wondered where along the Atlantic coast, Jesus, where along the Atlantic coastal plain can oyster be found, oysters be found, did not survive to answer, to discover the answer to his question. It's very dramatic. Sorry. Uh, as the fire progressed, thick black smoke and superheated air turned the second floor classrooms into infernos. Children crawled and fought their way to the windows, and many, and many with their hair and clothes on fire jumped, fell, or were pushed out the windows before the firemen and ladders could reach them. I mean, what kind of horrific scene? I mean, ugh. Uh, 
The fire killed some of the children and seriously injured the others. Many of the smaller children couldn't climb over the high windowsills or were pushed aside by other children desperately trying to escape. Firemen struggled frantically to rescue students and nuns as the fire flashed over classrooms filled with screaming children. Most of the school's roof collapsed and the superheated downdraft likely killed anyone left on the second floor. Panicked parents rushed to Our Lady of Angels from all over the city and the police soon had to set up barriers to restrain the anxious crowd of about 5,000 parents and onlookers. The crowd grew as the afternoon wore on and firefighters carried blanket and sack covered bodies from the school. See, and you, <clears throat> the thing about fires is that even if you're not in the room with the fire and the smoke's not getting you, mm -hmm. if it's around you, it can burn up all the oxygen around sure. you. Sure. So you can, you know, you just die from that. You think you're. Yeah, there's a lot of bad things that can happen in a fire. Well, by early evening, fire departments from all over Chicago had the five alarm fire under control. Now, what is a five alarm fire, you asked, Timmy? What is a fire alarm fire? Well, I'm going to tell you because this is kind of interesting because um, this gets brought up all the time. Okay. Now, historically, fire alarms were powered by telegraph technology, and they were placed on street corners and conveyed messages between fire departments by different codes. Mm -hmm. At the time, two short rings indicated, followed by two more rings, was the coded request for another fuel wagon. I see. Four alarms indicated a request for more units and therefore more fighters. The meaning of four alarms varied by, by location, but four rings in a row meant the chief is on the scene, everybody get here. That would be what they call four alarm fire. Uh -huh. It's that, basically all man. All it doesn't have that. anything to do with how many um, departments are there or whatever. Right. right. It means this is catastrophic, yeah. everybody available, yeah. get all, here. Yeah, all hands on deck. Yeah. So, um, but by early evening, fire departments all over Chicago had to, had the five-alarm fire under control, and firemen had rescued more than 160 people from this school. Now, they carried out already dubbed some really badly charred bodies. Injured children were taken to the hospitals. The dead were taken to the Cook County morgue basement and to a police station where officers had to set up a makeshift morgue. 87, ch 87 children and three teachers, all nuns, died on the day of the fire. Another hundred were injured. The five hospitals nearest the school, Timmy, the closest just a mile and a quarter away, enacted disaster response plans. 65 of the victims. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We're just taking straight to the morgue. The city newspaper, the Chicago American, devoted its entire front page on December 5th, 1958 to photographs of deceased students under the headline Chicago Mourns. The December 16th, 58 issue of Life magazine had a major article about the fire containing many pictures and reconstructed drawings of the classrooms. Yeah, so, I mean, this was a national, obviously a <clears throat> national story at the time. Uh, the first page of the article featured an image of firefighter Richard Scheidt carrying the body of 10-year-old Michael Jajowski from the building. In the, in the photograph, Jajowski, a fifth grader for, in room 212, Later served as a fire prevention safety poster. Yeah, it became the, a, the photograph served yeah. as a fire prevention safety poster. I'll, I'll post a picture of that. It became kind of famous, the photo. Uh, the reported 160 people rescued by the firefighters in the short 11 minutes between the arrival of the fire units on the scene and the collapse of the roof are the most ever rescued by the Chicago Fire Department in a single building fire, the 160 people. Wow. I mean, they, they, I mean, in 11 minutes, I mean, they did pretty, a, they did a really good job. You know, they were very heroic. The nuns were very heroic. It's just that they had everything working against them with this fire. The way Well, and had they think of what could have happened had they gotten there on time, got mm-hmm. not on time, but got, you know, the right sent direction, to the right direction. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it's kind of the fog, <clears throat> the fog of war type of th- yeah. scenario where, you know, people panic and they get the information. Some information is wrong and. But, yeah. but, you know, there was a lot that went into, you know, they, they performed heroically. The nuns and the staff performed heroically. It's just that they had so much going against them with the, with the way this building was, was uh, so uh, uh, out of, you know, out of compliance with the yeah. fire codes. Now, the firefighters, they, now they rescued 160 people. Um, but that number was far outweighed by the ones that they couldn't rescue. And in many, many in the coming years, many suffered, many of these firefighters suffered from what we call today post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, Can but you in imagine seeing, 1958, you know, medicine had no conception of such a thing. Yeah, how horrific that would be seeing these <clears throat> second graders on yeah, fire and burned. And, yeah. yeah, and, and if you, you never see get it, over that. Yeah. No, and I, and you know just on that scale. Yeah, know, right. I the, mean, the pure, the, and the and I, and I guess the helplessness where you're, you know, I I can remember after nine eleven, a fire firefighter friend of mine telling me we went to Chicago and this before the boys were, you know, they were just little. Mm-hmm. We were on the thirty eighth floor of the hotel, mm-hmm. and I don't like heights anyway. Mm-hmm. And. I remember a fireman friend told me, if you're above the 10th floor, we can't do anything for you. Because mm. that's as high as fire tr- ladder trucks will reach. Right. Typically, he said, above 10 floors, we can't do anything. Right. Kind of on your own. And I, I got him to switch me rooms. Mm-hmm. I moved down to actually the 10th floor. Yeah. Um, 
because I could not. Well, it was all glass, right. you know, on the thirty eighth floor, and I could not. I hit the mic. See, I could not. Um, I couldn't walk into the room because the windows were all glass, right? And I could see out, mm-hmm. and it would give me vertigo, right? Just seeing it, so I had to move down to the tenth where I was okay. Um, but um, people, and here's what's funny: that with the firemen, people at that time they were expected to just suck it up and go on with their life, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 the firemen largely did but if there's a common thread in the stories related by the families and friends of many of the firefighters who were there that day it's this they never talk about the our lady of angels fire it's like fight club yeah by some accounts the fire shattered the sense of community in the neighborhood families moved away it was said and children transferred to other schools and didn't come back when the new school opened <clears throat> When it opened, it was hailed as the safest, most up-to-date in the city. More than 75% of the parents who lost a child that day divorced within two years. Yeah, and this is, and that, that's quite common when you lose a child, is that divorces are usually, unfortunately, a, uh, a you know, a, a result of losing a child. A consequence. I, yeah. I, I, you know. But, I, but, you know, this was 1958, so, I mean, divorce was not as common. Not as common, yeah. yeah. But 75% who lost mm. a child were divorced within. Over the weeks and months following the fire, five more children died of burns they suffered, bringing the total victims to 95. Um, William Edgington, 13 years, died as a result of his burns in August of 1959, nine months after the fire. He was the final victim. And a relief fund was set up to uh, assist the distraught families and to care for the injured children in future years. The Chicago metropolitan area rallied to provide support. Hollywood stars such as Jack Benny visited injured children in hospitals. Investigations after the fire determined schools' fire protection was inadequate. Hmm, You think? Yeah. Um, Some survivors complain about the policy of silence and about the simplistic tone church officials took and consoling the families of the dead children. Several remember a priest at a Christmas service saying, baby Jesus really wanted to have a great birthday party, so he gathered those special children around him. No. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not much comfort. No. I, You know, I always liked when people died, and I've had enough people die to tell me, uh, you know, it's the Lord's plan. No. Yeah. That's not comforting. No. And as yeah. sure someone who has lost people, especially if you lose a child, a child or anything, yeah. for fuck's sake, just say you're sorry. Right. Yeah. You know, just exactly. say you're sorry. Don't, you know, if there's a God up there or whatever, he don't need a lawyer down here explaining shit for him. Just say you're sorry for the people. Um, but anyway, the investigation concluded school lack fire sprinklers and detectives. The stairwells had only first-floor fire doors, and there was only one fire escape. Moreover, the school's interior, primary interior, primarily contained highly combustible materials. When the fire start, when the fire, I'm sorry, Timmy. What started the fire remains a mystery. In 1961, a 13-year-old boy who had a history of arson confessed to starting the fire. However, a family court judge ruled that the confession was false and the teenager was released. 
Now, there, of course, there was an investigation, and it concluded there was nothing new to learn from the fire. Yeah, that it wasn't. It wasn't like they were. They were looking for. They found anything that they could use. Like, yeah, uh, how to prevent it's in the future. They yeah. already knew that. Right? Well, here's the thing that here's the things that we knew that Pr- they didn't do prior we, prior to the fire. Prior to the fire, we knew this stuff. We knew that stored combustibles were a fire hazard. We knew that stairwells needed to be enclosed and fire doors there. We knew that stairs needed to be made of non-flammable material. We knew floors, walls, and ceilings needed to be constructed of material, if not out fire resistant, would not spread the flames, you know, and Mm -hmm. transoms created dangerous passageways for the spread of fire and ought to be eliminated. We knew sprinklers could effectively suppress or extinguish a fire and prevent the loss of lives and property. We knew that concealed spaces created hidden passageways for fire to spread, and we knew that heat detectors tied to direct activation of fire alarms and a direct signal to the fire department allowed detection of the fire before anyone became aware of it. And we also knew that fire alarms promptly activated allowed people to critical time to escape danger. Lastly, we knew that early reporting of the fire prevented permitted firefighters to get to the scene before the fire could get out of control. Now, that's 10 things I just named, and the reason we named off those 10 things are these are 10 things that were all there in that school. Yeah, and and in addition to that, that you didn't mention, I don't think, is that there was overcrowding. They had yeah. more, more students in the room than should have been in there. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, but... Um, you know, it was the original section of Our Ladies of Angels to get to the overcrowding was first expanded for use as a school in 1910 because the fire code in effect in Chicago and in Illinois in 58 only required a school to meet the fire code in effect at the time it was built. So if you built the school in 1910, you had that evil grandfather thing. Again. Yeah, the grandfather clause. And, um uh, you know, so, we and it's you know we saw the same thing in the Iroquois Theater fire. They had so many uh, fire hazards and so many things that went wrong that could have been prevented. Yeah, and we you know we here in Cincinnati we had the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire, and which we will cover at some point. Yeah, and that was kind of another thing that everything that could have gone wrong. There was so many things that if anybody would have done at one point. Yeah, it could would have, have prevented the whole thing, uh, or at and, least would have, uh, or, or less, it. greatly lessened. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, the school had just been inspected a month before the fire and found in, to be in compliance be- because of the with the 1905 code. Right now, these sad facts led Percy Bugby, president of the National Fire Protection Agency, to lament there are no new lessons to be learned from this fire; only old lessons that went tragically unheeded. Hmm. Now, in the months that followed the disaster, sweeping changes took place across the country. And uh, according to a National Fire Prevention Association survey, 68% of all communities across the United States initiated fire safety improvements after the fire, including exit drills, undertaking more inspections, employing fire-resistant construction techniques, and installing fire protections and alarms. Now, some 16,500 <clears throat> older school buildings in the United States were brought up to code within one year of this disaster, Timmy. Yeah. 
So that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it's it got <clears throat> it got people's attention in here. Yeah. Now, additionally, an increased number of laws requiring schools to hold fire drills throughout the years past. Local ordinance to strengthen Chicago's fire code and new amendments to the Illinois State Fire Code were passed. And the Chicago City Council passed a law requiring that a fire alarm box be installed at schools and other public assembly venues. And who hasn't pulled the fire alarm, Timmy? Yeah. Well, did you ever pull a fire alarm? No. Never did? He's no. a lying motherfucker. I'm no, sure. I never you know did. know he did. I did not. I was a good kid. Really? I was. You did ask. you or did you not put firecrackers in some old lady's mailbox? Then you, Colonel. Yeah, not, exactly. Because, you know, I'm not, it, I'm not going do, I to address that. I mean, do you remember they that. used to have the fire alarms right on the street corners? Yeah. They used to yeah. just pull. Yeah. And uh, now what they always told us was that they had this phosphorus material on it. And they get your fingerprints And they could look, look at your hands yeah. and see if you actually had yeah. pulled it. Now, I don't know if that was true or not. I actually, truly, honestly, never pulled a fire. I never had alarm either. either. I never. I, always I know thought, people did it. I always school. thought it was stupid. I always thought it was. You just know, when foolish. I went to OU, Ohio University, and I lived in the dorms, there was someone do it every like two or three times a week, and I used to get it so pissed because you know the RAs would make oh, you yeah. get out of, in the middle of the night, and your boxers are out in the cold. Well, they uh, when the boys went, to, we were doing an orientation at DePaul, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the safety. And safety systems they had mm-hmm. there and, and you go through the campus and about every 150 feet you got a telephone and mm-hmm. an alarm mm-hmm. and uh somebody was hitting every single alarm uh-huh. and they were doing it quickly well they and you know they got cameras are everywhere sure but they could see from the pattern and the speed that this person could not be running that fast. They must be mm. on a bicycle. Uh-huh. And they figured out the pattern of where they was headed to. Mm. So they just waited for him to get to the next one and picked him up. <laughs> and he was actually on a skateboard, not a bicycle. Yeah. But um, I mean, I know kids do that as a joke or whatever. And, but, you know. I always just thought I, it was I, silly. There I was thought it was stupid, to too. I didn't. I because the fire department never came rushing out. It was always a car that came out. It was mm-hmm. always one of the cars that came out. And they'd take a look around. And if nobody was there for the box, they just went about the business. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but perhaps the most significant change to come out of this tragedy was a change in attitude, Timmy. A disputed long between municipal officials and public safety advocates as to whether the government had the power to mandate that a building built under an older code be compelled to conform to new regulations, Timmy. Basically, they were they were originalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, the school system built around locally controlled school districts supported by local taxpayers and private parochial schools financed by private funds was one of the last holdouts among classes of public health buildings accommodating large numbers of people. But the horrific death toll Our Lady of Angels effectively ended that resistance and the contention that such a requirement was unconstitutional. No community wanted to see the kind of headlines that that were emblazoned across the front page of their newspapers like such in Chicago on December 2nd. In the nearly six decades since Our Lady of Angels fire, there's never been a school fire killing 10 or more people. In recent years, no incidents even come close. In the period from 1994 to 2014, Timmy grades averaged grades K to 12 
average one civilian death per year, a typical annual death toll for schools since at least 1980. Few lessons have been learned as thoroughly as the ones from the Our Lady of Angels fire. That's what, you know, this is, this is while a, a horrific story, um, it, it literally changed the landscape. Yeah. Um, it made communities aware that they needed nationwide. To, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. That yeah. this this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, Would you say it's over sixteen thousand schools changed? Uh, sixteen thousand five hundred. I yeah. mean, you think it, it? It really had as much impact, if not more, when you think about it. Is nine eleven? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's changed schools across the entire country. Mm-hmm. and codified them it's too bad a, it took such a horrific event to yeah. get schools to uh, communities to uh to do that to bring to bring their institutions into code but a uh, terrible story <clears throat> um well it's currently the building's still there um now it was because you know the catholic schools have seen a big decline in in their enrollments here mm-hmm. over the last I guess I'd say the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the cities, because, you know, I know where, where I grew up, St. William's School was a big, big school, and now they're, you know. Smaller. They're smaller. Mm-hmm. Logan played on the football team, and the poor kid, they only had 16 players on the team. Logan had to punt, had to be the tailback, had to be the punt returner, had to be the kickoff <laughs> kid. Or that, a lot and, of different helmets. Yeah, and they'd have to play these suburban schools that have 40 kids on their yeah. team. And that poor little bastard, he'd get in the truck, to, he'd get in a van after a game to me and just be He's staring straight ahead. <laughs> and, I mean, he'd, he'd get beat. I got a picture of him one time. This off topic, but I got a picture of him one time. He's he's He had run back a punt, mm-hmm. and there are six people from the other team on top of him and all you can see is one of his cleats sticking out <laughs> <laughs> from the bottom of his Poor pile. guy. Oh, he had a good time. He was he was he was a he was a little guy, but he was faster than hell and he loved to play, so it was fun to watch him. But uh but they finally had to close the school down. Uh last class was in nineteen ninety nine and it's currently leased to the Galapagos. It's a charter school. Yeah, it's a charter school. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's, sorry. It's not a very cheerful story. Wasn't a cheerful one, but you know, it's 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 at least some good came out of it, and it you know this could have repeated itself across the country. Right, and we like to bring kind of forgotten history stories of forgotten history, and that's something you don't really you don't really. Read I've a lot. never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, I heard of the Great Chicago Fire, which I. Re- from now on will be referred to as the horrible Chicago fire. Hey, thank you, Colonel. And it was not caused by a cow. Yes. Um, Brandy, mm. your final thoughts on our Lady of Angels school fire. Uh, it was awful. I mean, there's no really, I mean, there's not really that nothing you can say about it. Yeah, it's pretty horrific yep. stuff. Pretty tragic. Okay, Colonel, do you have shout-outs for us? I would, yeah. Before we start the shout-outs, let's give a special shout-out to Brittany. Uh uh, it's her Callet is this weekend is her birthday weekend. Happy birthday weekend to you, Brittany. Ho- hope you and Chris have hope a great time. Hope you and time. Chris go out and do something really crazy and wild. She said they're not having really planning anything, but you think they're gonna, you know? Oh, you know they are. Tim. You think so, you know, Brittany? Yeah. Oh, Brittany's a machine, man. She yeah. 
Brittany and Chris are just little love gerbils. They're like man. rabbits, they're, aren't they? They just, they, they just, I don't know. They, they, they're wonderful people. They're though, wonderful and couple. They're, and they're, they're, they're very wonderful. They're on their honeymoon phase, so they should be doing what honeymooners do. And we hope you have a great weekend, Brittany. Happy birthday! Yeah. Okay. Well, we always start out with our lovely Tasha. Tasha and her mother Ophelia. Ophelia, Tasha. Tasha may have referred to me as a sex god. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Maybe, but probably not. Yes, yeah, she did. I um, think she had misspoke. No, I think I was right. I think you're delusional. Um, Jeff Girdley, Sam Hildebrand, of course, Linda Middleton, we've already covered. Uh, Missy Dean Horton, Britt and Chris, of course, Celine, Jeff, Dr. Jeff Chestnut. And his wife, Don. And his lovely wife, Don. I like to get on Jeff's page because Jeff likes to talk about politics and and he uh, Jeff's a good guy. He's very, uh, you know, and you know what I really like about Jeff's page is it, I I get a little bit I, just a sense that Jeff's got a conservative lean to him, mm-hmm. but you can actually discuss things. Mm-hmm. You know, like last night that they announced the Supreme Court thing, and you know, I was just talking to Jeff about that a little bit about. Really, you know, the process of things without saying, getting into stupidity and name calling and, you know. Right. But I think Dr. Jeff would kick your ass if you called him a name. Yeah. He is a pretty tall guy. He's a pretty tall guy, but his wife. Don't don't let the bow ties fool you. His wife, the monocle. I do not yeah. believe I could get my ass kicked by somebody wearing. Oh, I a think you could. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think, think Mr. Could. Peanut could <laughs> do Mr. it. Mr. Peanut could do it, but I do not believe. See, Jeff took a, the hypocritic oath, and he cannot beat up me. <laughs> yeah, well, he can beat up you. No, he just has to treat you afterwards. Yeah, he's just, yeah, yeah. He just, yeah. So it's just create more work for himself. Yeah. So you know, but no, I. I Unless he kills you, and then he can just you know cadaver. Yeah, you know, then he's a cadaver for tag your toe students. and yeah. <laughs> move on. But that you know that's one. I mean, we we've, we've got so many people here. They're all going to have diverse views. Yes, and, and we I love like to see diverse views. We love our diversity that's on our because page because you don't want to have you don't want to surround yourself by people with the same ideas as you, especially you the same anything. ideas that you have. Yeah, well, we don't want to surround ourselves. We by need that more people with the same ideas I got. I yeah, that's mean, the world would be a better place, Teresa. Now, I would not be bullied by you, Timmy. Uh, that's okay. I'm just saying, let's uh, let's move along. Teresa Slavin. Hi, Teresa. <laughs> Tommy Boomershine. Tommy Boom Boom. And you know what? And, and I think you need a. Uh, before I go any further, I need. I, I, me and Brandy are going to need an apology for that talking the monkeys po- thing. <laughs> the talking monkeys hurt Timmy. I'm, hurt. Sorry. I'm so sorry. He's the one that has to leave and go do whatever. I, know. I don't know what you're. No, I ain't got to do anything. Yeah, I don't know what you're getting. Your he, test is in a night. In over. ten minutes, he has to take our boss somewhere. So it, right, right. So so if he's not there, he's the one. It's his ass. Yeah. Okay. So you're trying to just hold, gloss over this whole talking Ooh. monkey thing? Yes. Okay. Well, you have no comment to make on that. Uh, no comment at this time. <laughs> I have no comment about that. Or what? When did you say it? In oh, the firecracker incident. No comment. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, Shonda and Larry, hi. Hey, Shonda and Larry. Um, you know they would be there getting that school shut down if Shonda no. and Larry were there. They'd be <laughs> yeah. protesting. Uh, no, you know what? Shonda and Larry be there before the fire even started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting kids out the window. Oh yeah. That, they ain't nobody got hurt in that fire. Mm-hmm. So. We got Clark, Diane, and Lisa Trowbridge. Um, Colton, of course. I haven't heard from Colton. Say hi to us, Colton. Phyllis Munson. 
the lovely Aaron Wentz, who is a twin. Okay. I saw that the other day on her birthday. Okay. Well, uh, she's one of the twins. She's, she's twin. one of the she's twins. Not, she's not a Siamese twin, is she? No, she's a. Okay. Uh, she has a twin brother. Okay. Um, Donna Curran, we hope you're doing well, Donna. Brian and Lisa Lawton, Olivia Meyer, um, the crazy Katya, because I used to say the lovely Katya. No, she's very lovely. But then I found out that she, uh, that whole crazy king thing, and yeah. she's fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. You know she got to screw loose. Yeah, she likes him because he uh, masturbates excessively. And slap people. Yeah. And I hope he slapped people before he masturbated. And he leapfrogged over He his did subjects. leapfrog, yeah. yeah. I leapfrog over my subjects. <laughs> you do it to me and Brandy all the time. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's 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 it, it just it rattles like you it. before the show. I know, but you know, it's it's uh, it's good exercise, good aerobics. Kate McCarthy, Bridget Clavy, like Kate with a C, Kate with the C, Byron Snelling, uh, of course, Denny McFarlane. Hey, oh, Denny, you didn't catch me, Timmy. Denny McNamara. Denny McNamara. Yes. Denny, how's it going? <clears throat> William Truax, Amber Croup, Gina Spillane, Trixie, Stephanie Quick, Sydney and Michael, of course, uh, Jamie Tarantino, who I'm going to be bringing something in from, Laura O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, John Cunningham, Tara Bond, Jean Bond, Lydia, Brandy McBride, our favorite. Softball player. Hey, Brandy. Maggie Glover. Jeff Appel. Christine Bourgeois. All right. And I'm going to do this one just straight up. Katie Moorhead. I hope you've been good, Katie. I haven't seen her. Yeah, she posted something the other day. Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah. I hope she's doing good. Mary Ray, of course. Marvin Hammond. Andy Volley. Cheryl Muscue. Keith Frosty. Becky Mitchell. Angie. Steve Miller. Nicholas Starr and Molly Erickson. There, there are quite a couple. Yeah, too. you know, a Nicholas oh. Starr is a professional comedian. Is he? Yes. Unlike us. Unlike us. Yeah, we're, we're not who professional. We're professional we anything. Yeah, we're not professional amateurs. anything, yeah. and we're certainly not comedians. Natasha Davis, Neil Eagleton, Stewie Benton, um, Masha Zanoko, Ali Nett, Christine Howard, Leah Pangburn, Natalie Parsons. Laura Fella, Todd Long, um, Diane Student from History Goes Bump, Allison Shields, <clears throat> and and we had, I should mention we had, you put it on our page, we had a record number of downloads this yes. month. Yes, thank you all very and, much uh, for tuning in. We set a, a record in January for us. A world very, record for no, us. No, for us, yes. We're very proud of it. We know a lot of podcasts get more downloads, but uh, we, we're we're happy to get what we get. It's amazing we get any <laughs> with you two. It's really yeah. ridiculous, Because really. <laughs> you're a dick. Uh, you are a dick. Talking but, monkeys. But a good number, a big part of that was because Diane schooled us on our settings for Libsyn. Yes. I feel Aaron like Timmy Fowler, should have known that, though. I do, too. He's, he's technically he's Look, disabled. I cannot be producer, director, editor, wouldn't Commander in Chief a goddamn much if you ain't and know about the fucking Chicago Fire. You got. To, I didn't <laughs> ask you about the Chicago no, Fire. this dipshit Magoo. I just over feel there. like yeah, you need dipshit to be prepared. Magoo, yes. Colleen Matson. Like motherfucker doesn't have a phone. Robin Sanchez. Well, like the motherfucker doesn't know something about something all the time. <laughs> you know, I cannot help it. I'm a font of knowledge. Hey, you're a font of. Something. Then how come you didn't know that the cow didn't start the fire? I did not believe he did. Neither I did Billy to Joel. See if you did. 
you know, that that brings up a good point because I think he is just Billy Joe started the fire. He is just trying to uh, he divert. Is, he's trying to divert. divert. He's, he's a, deflecting. He's deflecting. Mm-hmm. Well, if Billy Joel didn't start the fire, who, who the hell and did? the cow didn't start the, who the fire, who the hell did? That's what I'm well, saying. Well, basically, it's always it's it, it's always burning since the world's been turning, Timmy. You know, we need to take. How would he know? You know what? I, here's an idea for our podcast. We what? take every every uh, reference in. We didn't start the fire. The song mm-hmm. and do a podcast on it. it we That's would true. be doing podcasts for the next four years. Or American Pie. Every reference yeah. in American yeah, Pie. That'd but yeah, but that's a little bit more uh, elusive. No, I can give you that. Kind of, you like how you use that word elusive? Elusive. Right? <laughs> they kind of turn you on. That means bit. hard to grasp, <laughs> yeah. Chuck. Yeah. I, oh, I, I don't have a problem with vac- vocabulary. You did, though. You <laughs> almost <laughs> fucked up the word vocabulary. <laughs> I don't have a problem with vocabulary. <laughs> Rips on me. He's ripping on me about my vocabulary. I know. He's trying to school me on some word he uses. I know. Tat. I know. And, and <laughs> Tat I, I would like to say, Brandy, that I always come to your defense whenever he does <laughs> That's that. That's because- horseshit. <laughs> That's horseshit. Because right. I think you're, you're well-versed in the ling- English language. Well, yeah. unlike yeah. unlike you, <laughs> English sailor language. Whatever, Brandy's a fine girl. Yeah, I make a good wife. Mm, yeah, but to you know, Lanny. but you can't steal sailor from the sea. You make a good wife I, to Lanny, the one you know, on Pet Boys. If guy. only, if only I could ship my husband out to sea. <laughs> then you could hook up with Lanny. <laughs> yeah, 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 Pet Boys, Lanny. All right, Colonel, continue with your shout-outs, please. Dave Hill, John Gray, Don Gordon, um, Kristen Davidson, Susan Angles, Little Emmy Waterfall, Christian Dormer, Danielle Fredrickson, Amber Anderson, Pete Fulmer, Ron Radsky, um, Kelsey Froh, of course, Hort, George Huckler, Tyra Jenkins, who me and her are going to be walking partners soon. Oh, she's going to challenge you on Fitbit? No, she just, I put that thing up about me being a people walker, and she said uh, she would hire me. Oh, okay. So, so she, you're going to she walk lives people? like, I Nobody think actually Cal- she might that. live in California, but I, I... It's a long walk, Colonel. We'll work it out. Amy Carol Payne. Last steps. Mm-hmm. Um, our buddy Jason Dykes. I have a problem with people walking. Though. Sammy James. Do you have to, up after, you have to clean up after him? After yeah, you have to have outside? a people scooper. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get a. You take I'm a not plastic, a fan of that. Take a bigger plastic bag, would you? Not a fan. Your handler, <laughs> yeah, it would be Eddie Rushing, Sonyana, Lindsay McMillan, Tara Chinchilla, Jennifer Hawkins, Kim Kamikaze. I wonder how many names these he, he screws up. Like fifty percent. Nancy least. Jalapeno. Where's the Where's the one the new the new one that's got all that's Korean or Taiwanese or Oh I don't know um, I, I did Vietnamese. not put Fin Fin Fofi Fofi yeah. I got him right here Okay Thank you for listening Fofi um, Toby Deese Andy Sparaccio Don't repeat it because Daniel that up Fredrickson Oh I got Daniel on here twice Wow Well she deserves, she deserves every it. one of them mm-hmm. Michael Eisenhower Rebecca Montale So I did that with my little Latino right. accent. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. he didn't. That was did, did that make you a little? Uh, no. Did that get you a little tingly there? Uh, no, Rebecca nothing Montale. that you that. Oh, the beautiful, beautiful Annette Petray. Um, uh, with obsessively with calm. With obsessively calm. Please uh, check out her Facebook page. She sells wonderful products, soaps and creams. at obsessively calm. Yeah, and if you like weird buttons and weird stickers, um, 
check out we can we can list it if she tells us to uh jamie tarantino's etsy page okay and she has uh, no, she cool. will do some amazing drawings yeah for she's it. a very she, I, she's very um, I, talented i told artist. you i'm very rich and famous because i had she i commissioned her to do a drawing yes. To me. yes yes you tell us that every time renee Talk. doesn't renee doesn't know this it's union terminal renee loves union terminal i know of her i've heard this story yeah. as have our listeners okay renee must not listen to the podcast she does or not she will know she does not it's a good thing um christina you'd be divorced <laughs> um christina lefty montana and she knows why i'm calling her lefty all right she's one that i uh, know okay. continue maria barbara jennifer potts sydney hamilton paul mampilli mike arnold melissa lebrano Brittany powell heather hall heather pool heather marshall mark hammermeister jeff hopkins John Janke, Mike Tabor, Lise, Kevin Behan. Um, let's see, we got Hi Lise. Have you ever seen somebody skip around? Like, I mean, he's Lauren a Meredith, list and he's still all over the place. Stephanie Poling, Leah McAllister, Mike Rosen, Tammy Ennis, Valerie Murray, Kristen Andreasen, Nancy Weller, Anita Dodd, and Jessica Winchester, Carla Nelson, White. Hey Carla. Amber Trevino, Angie L, Karen Alden. Norma DiMaggio, Don Hamer, Andy Smizer, Brandy Deese, um, Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones is a, man, she's a cold-hearted girl. Why do you say that? Those things you inject into your penis, she just wanted to have uh, one. Does that mean for fun? You know, Colonel, only about uh, 15% of our listeners are on our page. So when you make references to our Facebook page, most people don't know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. Well, they should be on the page, Dan. Yes, that's History Dweebs, the Facebook group. Skip Fayou, Ramoni Howard, Danger Howard, um, Susanna Sheldon, Jennifer Winans Miller, Marion Buckwald, Jeff Dolan, Stacy Lynn, Brenda Deutsch, Liz Evans, Jessica Bishop, Jen Moya, Michael Daniel, Amelia Roscoe, Pavlova Valentina, Maddie Kinnon, Terry Hemsley. Um, Kelly Colwell, Jennifer Svoboda, Sv- Sv- help me, Timmy, devil, Jennifer Svoboda, Svoboda, mm-hmm. Lauren Meredith, Nina, Nina Instead from, yes, Brett, from um, Already Gone Podcast, Already Gone Our friends at Already Gone, yes, Ronnie Rhodes, Sophia Panta, Aaron Shipley, Jay Alford, Holly Woodward, Ali Nett, Deb Chappelle, Danielle Jones, Brittany Martin, Margot Donahue, Jamie Metcalf, Meg Vansell, Allison Schneider, Sarah Taylor, uh, Nitan Sill, Amber Anderson, Rachel Hummel, Lauren Marer, Molly Fontenot, Sean DeBoard, Melissa Montoya, Stacy Hi, Melissa. Melissa is a Patreon sponsor, too, so thank you, thank Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Tim Hale, Donnie Young, Melanie Young, and these are new people, Tim. James okay. Ryan, um, well, Alan Dobbs is not a new one. And Daza, Carol Nash, Elizabeth Brault, Mark Farman, Paula Kimes. Paula, welcome aboard. And Chris Swanson, who's with Mandy. Um, and now we have 
the VIPs. You didn't me. mention cricket. Hmm? Cricket. Cricket? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, hello, cricket? I used to have a crush on a little girl named Cricket when I was a kid. Um, we've got, of course, Jennifer Siemens in the Colonel's crew. Hey, Jennifer. Royal member of the Colonel's crew. Um, Jim Wick, she's the one you asked with the long name, the, the hot white trash bag lady. Um, she knows what that means because she, if you, if you were friends with these people and followed them on Facebook, you would know what that meant. Okay. Um, the lovely Liz Keating, my wonderful, wonderful, loyal mascot, Fallon. She's the lovely mascot Fallon, and yes. a cheerleader of Team Colonel. Beautiful Radika Smith, lovely Angie Cobbs, the, uh, the I'm not gonna say lovely. He's not lovely at all, Scotty J. But he's 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 loyal. He is loyal. <clears throat> Monica D. Hagostino, who posted on my wall today with a little boy saying "Go Broncos." I appreciate that. I think the Broncos were eliminated like four weeks ago. Does not matter. It's "Go Broncos" is a constant battle cry, Timmy. Tiffany Bell, of course, Shannon Rossett, who is just completely active in so many things amanda bocce ball um the beautiful 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 jessica williams uh from chicago i wonder if she knows knows about this story i bet she does jessica knows a lot of things from ireland all the way from ireland timmy lovely francis Dalton. lovely francis and a lovely irish last janice fitzgerald um, one of the one of the funniest people I run into, Karen Barnes. And here's a word association. Devil, I'm gonna let you do this one real quick. I'm gonna say a name, you tell me just what pops into your head, okay? Jennifer Burdick. Cute. Okay, beautiful. there you go. Lovely. I think she's mm-hmm. beautiful. Sarah Spaghetti. Cute. Mm. Lovely. And Angie Ball. Beautiful. Devil? She's very pretty. Mm-hmm. She's the ginger, though. Okay. Well, she, you know, I can't help that. And when, when now that we're getting into beautiful and gingers, we got, of course, Charlie. Charlie and Allie. And Allie. They come together as a, as a team from the Insight crew. Congratulations, Charlie. Holy shit. Did you see what? Yep. And I think Allie did it just to tell you, hey, put your, put your ass in your place. Wait, what's that? I didn't see. Um, yesterday... Ali posted their download numbers for them. Oh, yeah. How many did they get? Oh, it was only like close to 300,000. Oh, yeah, I know. They, I know. Oh, I know they get many, many more than we do. They're not. They're, they're well, it's an amazing podcast. Yeah, I left that they, podcast they to stay with you assholes. Well, I wasn't saying. talking about their numbers or anything. I was talking about something different. But, Charlie, congratulations. Oh, Charlie, congratulations. I am, too. Um, but, no, they, they had numbers uh, this month that, I, you know, yeah, that's very 300,000 downloads. Uh, I don't know how many That's more, that's almost as many as we have since we began. Yeah. yeah. So that's, so that's very that's incredible. Yeah. And they're a great podcast. It's Insight, the podcast. And the, you know, the funny thing is the mean. The mean. No, man. they're not mean. No, Ali's mean. No. Ali's mean. Charlie's okay. Ali's scary mean. Um, And last, well, not last because I got a couple more. My good friend, my dear friend, and consigliere, Nicola Reed. 
Ah, uh, yes, Nicole, counselor. Yes. Yes. We've got Beverly, of course, Lady Beverly, Lady from Beverly. all the way across the river. Yeah, all, all I think about her every day when I watch The Crown on Netflix. I think of Lady Beverly. And uh, the patron saint of our podcast, Timmy, mm-hmm. the lovely, the charming, the sweet, the kind, Dottie Scott. My mom, thank you for listening, Mom. Brandy, do you have any shout outs? No. Okay, would you like to tell people where they can find us? Obviously, they know where they can find us because they're listening now, but... Yes, you can find us on... We have a Facebook page. Yeah, we have two. We have History Dweebs, which we post a lot of history-related stuff. And then we have History Dweebs, the podcast, and that's just for folks who listen to the podcast. And that's where we get... If you heard our shout-outs, that's where all those folks are at. Um, Special shout-out to George Rendon again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, join us on History Dweebs, the podcast, Facebook group. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Yes, at History Dweebs One, or you can follow the Colonel at Hawk Waters. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. iTunes, yeah. yes. And almost any of your uh, garden variety podcast apps. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining Thanks for us. for listening. And if just mine, I. He couldn't let it I, go. Well, no, no I just have to apologize because I know a lot of people sent me support and. Everything else, and, and, and the president announced his Supreme Court pick oh, last night. Jesus. And I did have to tell him. I, originally, he asked me. No, he didn't. And no. I told him, I, you know, I just, I, with the podcast, with Logan being in college, no. with Rudy, I didn't have time for all that. And then, I think it was you the know? exact opposite that happened. I think he got a restraining order. No, he you. actually said, you know, you, 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 with, your, with, with your brilliant legal mind, no. and we need someone with common sense up Nobody here. has ever said that to you. We need someone who has experience with the justice system. That's what he said. No more. Nobody's oh. got more. Well, there's a few that got more, well, ju- more experience. but I yeah. Other than Charlie Manson, not very many. Yeah. You rule him out. All right. Because he wanted a man of the people, and I'm a jailhouse lawyer. Thank you very much, Colonel. (laughs) Uh, We love your stories and look forward to hearing them next time. No. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time on History Dweeb. Bye bye. Bye, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.